Hello and welcome to the IMD Management Cast. I'm your host, John Joe Devlin, and in this series, I'll be speaking with the brightest minds of the business world about the attitudes, ideas, and strategies that underpin successful companies. For this inaugural episode, I'm joined by Sean Meehan, the Martin Hilty Professor of Marketing and Management and Dean of Faculty at IMD. He's the author of multiple books on customer centricity. And over the next four episodes, he'll give us his thoughts on the concept, as well as some predictions about what this will look like in the future. Welcome, Sean. Great to be here, John Joe. Sean, you've said before that while customer centricity is not a new concept, it is one that's often misunderstood. So before we get into the how of changing or developing your business outlook, let's start with a brief concept overview. What is customer centricity? Great question, because... I hear so many people calling it different things or referring to different things when they are using this label. It's really all about putting the customer at the center of your business universe. You have an outside view of them, their interests, their life, their needs, their wants, and you prioritize creating value for them in a way that's sustainable for companies, stakeholders. You're trying to see things from their perspective not from your perspective. You're asking yourself, what are they seeing? What are their needs? And so on. And the second critical element is that you're prioritizing the customer and not other stakeholders uh, in your business. Stakeholders provide the constraints within which you're essentially licensed to operate. They require certain returns. Employees require certain conditions. Society requires certain norms are adhered to. And that's all fine. Those create the conditions within which you must work. But your priority, the reason you're there, is to create value for the customer. And with the residual value that's created, you can talk about prioritizing the stakeholders for the distribution of that value. But first things first, you've got to create the value. You've outlined this outside view in your most recent book, The Customer Copernicus, and also noted that this can be quite a difficult thing to implement. Yeah, and that's why we talk about outside in, in sharp contrast to the more common inside-out perspective of so many companies. And I'll refer to outside in as the customer-centric perspective and inside-out as the classic managerial perspective, and actually the most common one. Customer centricity, therefore, is, do you actually believe that prioritizing customer value creation is a good way to go about business? Does this make good business? Or actually, are you about prioritizing, first and foremost, other stakeholder interests? For example, maximizing shareholder return in the short term, which If you look at behavior of some companies, you might think that is indeed what they're doing. So it it is essentially a belief system. What do you believe is the right way to run the business? If you want a customer-centric company, you've got to share those beliefs. It's no good you as a founder, an owner, a leader in an organization having this belief, but not sharing it with those within the company. You've got to make it the shared belief in the organization that this is how we do business every day and we expect everyone to make decisions around the the common idea of customer first. It sounds simple, it should be, but actually it's uncommon. And it's uncommon because being outside in and taking that perspective is entirely unnatural. The natural way of being is inside out, seeing things from your own perspective, putting yourself first, being influenced mostly by people who are near you, those that have similar interests and experiences to you. 
And what we observe is that for customer-centric uh, companies, those people with outside-in perspectives have to constantly fight against that natural perspective of putting yourself first. We liken it to a planetary system. We think the customer's at the center of that. That's why we refer to the customer Copernicus. And we have the organization distant from the customer, looking in on the customer. But we realize that without some kind of energy around the belief system, reminding us why we're there, reminding us about customer value creation, then we will be sucked into the middle and we'll end up thinking inside out. Is there strong evidence this concept not only makes customers happy, but also drives profit, turnover and other traditional metrics? All the evidence is there. Being customer-centric was first mooted by Peter Drucker. He had a wonderful book back in uh, 1954, The Practice of Management, in which he famously said that the purpose of a business is to create a customer. And people generally accepted the idea, but there wasn't a heck of a lot of evidence that this made sense. There was logic, but there wasn't empirical observation that being customer-centric led to any particular business outcome. And the Marketing Science Institute therefore sponsored a significant research stream to test traditional metrics such like relative sales, market share, profitability growth, and to explore precisely what this means in practice. How would you operationalize it? And from these, it's really, really clear that customer centricity is good for business. And then you add to that all the supportive evidence we've had from the American Customer Satisfaction Index, the Net Promoter Score. I, I really don't think that there's any point in discussing or debating whether it makes sense. How successful are companies at implementing this? You know, as somebody who's passionate about this area and somebody who really has spent a lot of time thinking about it and researching it over many years, I'm frustrated. Being customer-centric is a hugely rewarding way to run a business. And yet we find that so many companies are not. And years and years after first teaching about this, companies still come and say, what is this and, and how do we go about it? And so you feel like, gosh, what's wrong? Why isn't there more of a breakthrough in this? Customer centricity is a kind of culture of sensitivity to customers' needs and wants. There has to be a hunger for information about customer needs an empathy with the customer and a real desire to do something with that information and insight that will help the customer. And it's not about generating obvious observations about customers. Insights are less obvious. We ask managers, what do you think makes sense? And overwhelmingly, they agree. 67% of them say that it's a critical element of their success formula. And then we see in practice that they don't actually behave as if it is a critical element of their success formula. They prioritize shareholder value creation over customer value creation, certainly in the short term. Customer centricity is actually reasonably rare. We, we reckon that maybe 20, 23%, 24% of companies you could genuinely say are the real deal. And we think that it's rare because it's unnatural. But our research recently has been very helpful in that it nails down what you need to do to really become uh, customer-centric, how you can build and sustain that culture over time and get away from the idea that it's about adopting a bunch of tools and techniques. Any company can adopt tools and techniques, and that will certainly add some value. It shouldn't be confused with customer-centricity. So on the other side, which companies have been the pioneers of this method and this approach? That's something that merits a lot of thought because 
It's so easy to fall into, oh, it's the Amazons and, and Ubers that are the, the pioneers. They're, they're not. Customer centricity, as I said, has been around a long time. The notion of it's been around a long time. And I'd like to give credit to the big consumer companies, the Procter & Gamble, Unilever, Nestle, General Mills, RB, Lint, and all of these guys who've pioneered marketing techniques. And certainly, from what we can see now, looking back, appeared to buy into the notion that prioritizing customer value creation made a hell of a lot of sense. We can go back to the 50s and we can see that. And, and amazing brands that they've built based on absolutely superior customer insights. Tide, Always, Axe, KitKat, Knorr, Hellman's, Lindor, popular consumer brands that have been around a very, very long time. You've got to give them credit. And then you can flip over to the new boys on the block. And the stellar example, I suppose, is uh, Amazon. And, you know, it's an example of a lot of things. And therefore, we should be very, very careful not to bestow customer centricity upon it as a kind of a halo effect error. And, and I don't think it is. Jeff Bezos, I think, has led Amazon as a long-standing customer success. He said at the very outset that his burning ambition was to create an enduring franchise that would reinvent what it meant to serve customers by unlocking the Internet's power. So serving customers was absolutely at the center of the founder's idea. And success, he defined it back then, success would be growing customer numbers and revenue, and the degree to which people would come back and buy again. It was obvious to him then, and it's obvious to anyone, customers want wide choice, low prices, fast delivery. I don't think he had to do a massive amount of really expensive market research to figure that out. There's no great genius there. The genius is making it work. The genius is setting standards that hadn't been achieved before. And he got to work relentlessly and innovatively finding new and better ways to get these results. And he has kept on reinventing and reinvesting. Amazon's never paid shareholders a dividend. And for years, the business didn't turn a profit. And whilst we can now say, oh, that all makes sense, in the early days, just think about this, I'm not going to pay you a dividend. Let's see how it goes. I'm reinvesting surpluses so that we can have a better business in the future. And the message to shareholders was, if you don't like this, invest your money somewhere else. And this is a great lesson. I mean, you know, uh, Fred Reichel has been talking about this for years. You know, not just get the right customers, get the right investors, those who are with you for the longer term. He's insisted on customer obsession as one of the values of the organization. And he thinks that this is what keeps it as purposeful today as it was at the time of its birth. And he calls this maintenance of the vitality of day one. And in doing that, he's put his finger on something incredibly important that we validated in our recent research. And it's that customer centricity, or, or whatever you want to call it these days, it just doesn't last. On its own, it peters out. Can you give me a specific example of what you mean? You only have to look at the best practitioners, one of the all-time best practitioners of being customer-led, Tesco, a company I admire enormously, under the leadership of Ian McLaren and then Terry Leahy. They were relentlessly focused on creating customer value in new and better ways. The company went from number three in the UK to number three in the world. Everyone at Tesco knew exactly what the company's priority was. It had loads of examples of moments of belief, which are these critical things that help re-establish and reinforce what the value and what the priorities of the company is. It maintained this wonderful culture, and then it changed. 
Then it just wasn't. They went from outside in to inside out. It happens over time unless you do something to stop it. It's like the shark that stops swimming. You're going to sink if you don't keep swimming. And at some point they stopped. Bezos is really philosophical about this. He says, Amazon will be disrupted one day. It's inevitable. Companies come and go. Even the shiniest and most important of any era, you wait a few decades and they're gone. And surely he hopes that will be a long time for Amazon. And that's why he keeps swimming, to stick with the shark metaphor. I think that leads quite neatly into our next question. Business terms like customer centricity have a tendency to be co-opted, misused, and eventually they can become buzzwords rather than guiding principles. Can you tell me what this concept is not? It's absolutely not about doing all the right things only if these create shareholder value in the short term. It's not about undertaking market research, collecting customer data, and then doing nothing with it. It's about intelligent use of market research, intelligent use of customer data, and doing the right things with it in the long-term interests of the client and in the short-term interests of the client and customer. There's no shortage of data. There never has been. And now that we have more than ever before, we can certainly say data isn't the issue, neither is insight. A long time ago, we had this example of Shell, which was rethinking its retail system across Europe. Uh, You know, these Shell forecourts that you go to fill up your car with gas. They weren't performing very well. And they brought somebody in with fabulous retail experience to think about how could they reinvent these outlets. And Shell, for those who don't know it and think about it, it is probably one of the companies in the world that hires the smartest people. It has the most avant-garde managerial processes. It has the latest tools and techniques. It's one of the best-run companies in the world. And they did what you would expect you would do in a company like that. Went out, did a huge piece of research, gathered a lot of data and then presented the findings. And the findings were something along the lines of, we're getting service all wrong, we need to rethink this whole thing. And they were saying, but don't you have a new segmentation system for us? Exxon has this amazing segmentation system in the US. There's 20 different segments of people who use vehicles for different use cases, and that's what we were really expecting. And she said, forget it, segmentation will come later. We need to think about the things that every segment is experiencing when they're engaging with us. And here's what I have to tell you about every driver's journey. You're driving along the motorway. When you decide you want to fill up with gas, you want to know where is the next service station. So there should be adequate signage on the road, number one. Number two, a good clear indication ahead of time which lane you should be in and clear guidance off the motorway onto the slip road and then guide it all the way to the pump. When you get out of your vehicle, you don't want to step in a big puddle of oil on the forecourt like we often see. When you get as far as the pump, you would prefer to be able to pick up the pump pump the gas and put it back without having a handful of grease as you do it. When you've finished filling up, you may wish to take the opportunity to go to the bathroom and you'd like to know exactly where that is. And if you get there, you'd like to know that it's clean. And then you want to go into the shop and pay. On every one of those steps, we fail. On every one of those steps, we have massive room for improvement across our network. 
And they were horrified. They were going, you don't understand. We don't make any money selling gas. We make money selling bread, biscuits, potatoes, all of the stuff that's in the shop. You need to think more like a retailer. She said, no, you need to think about the customer. So she was taking the outside-in perspective, look at it from their point of view, and the rest will follow. And they were looking at it from an inside-out perspective, which was what we need them to do is pick up more packets of biscuits. Now, she won out, and she won out only because she fixed the next executive meeting for the worst station in Europe, and then the second worst, until it really got in. That the bubble they had been living in, in London and in The Hague, was such that they never filled up their own cars. They would park their cars in the head office, or they would come on the train. But if they had their car at the head office, somebody would valet their car when they were at work. These guys were not having the experience of the customer. And again, this brings you back to where's the empathy? Are you seeing things from their point of view? So what it is not, John Joe, is collecting a ton of data. And that's actually probably my big fear for big data. And by the way, I think there's massive opportunity with big data, but it's one of the things we really need to be careful of. Data does not mean opportunity for customer centricity. It does not mean opportunity for insight because we've always had enough data and we always get the same data basically. And what we need to see is what's the insight and what do we do and do we look at it from the actual customer's point of view as opposed to from our convenient point of view? Wow, Sean, potatoes, uh, biscuits and big data. A lot to ruminate on there. I think it's a really good place to stop for now. Uh, thank you for being here this week. Terrific. Thanks a million, John, for the opportunity. In the next episode of the IMD Management Cast, we'll be going into the practical ways companies can implement a customer-centric approach. To get that, Remember to subscribe to this podcast and to hear more expert analysis from iBuyIMD, you can search for us wherever good podcasts are found. For more to read, you can go to iBuyIMD Online, which offers exclusive business intelligence and interviews with the brightest minds in the industry, written by experts for experts.